everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David Nikki Nellis on a gorgeous weekend here in Washington. It's hard for me to believe that June is almost completely shot already. I just got into my summer brain. Um, we got a great show today. Before we get into it, Nick, speaking of June being over, July 4th is coming. Nick. Is there some special stuff to talk about? I think there well, is. I mean, I just want to tell everybody. I mean, you know, summer goes over like that because there's so much happening and we are IRLing it right now. Everything is in real life, which is terrific. So this July 4th, everybody can gather and be together. And needless to say, the DC food, wine and hospitality scene is laying it out for you. So on the list or you want it.com, check it out. We have our boom shakalaka july 4th page with every food and wine event happening in the dc metro area for july 4th that includes grilling kits that includes places to see the fireworks and that also includes fabulous brunches lunches and dinners so check it all out do you know the boom shakalaka actually means no officer i didn't know how fast i was speeding no i did not know that well now you know all right so first we're going to be hearing from mitch berliner at central farm markets there's all kinds of stuff going on there uh, Jeremy Ross is beverage director and general manager of Tiki Thai. We're going to be talking. It's a great restaurant, uh, restaurant, which is hard to say. Uh, they've got Thai cuisine and Tiki inspired cocktails. National Mai Tai Day is coming up and the restaurant is going to be doing something special there. We'll hear about it. Cara Nicoletti, my favorite name of the day, is a fourth generation butcher. Uh, she won the Food Network's Chopped. She's a host of uh, Vice Munchies, The Hangover Show. She's written a cookbook called Voracious, but she spent a lot of time working on um, kind of changing the meat impact of foods, and she began experimenting with veggie-forward sausages. We've had them. They're good, and we're going to be hearing from her. Um, another return guest, a guy we love. He came, he saw, he purchased. Uh, Bart Yablonski of Darson's Market is back. He bought another market. We're going to hear all about that. He bought Glenn's Garden Market. Glenn's Garden Market. Say that fast after a couple of drinks. <laughs> and lastly, but hardly leastly, uh, Michelle Troxel of Grace Thomas Designs and Joey Olson, one of the Olson triplets, uh, her chief uh, kitchen designer, are going to talk about the hottest uh, focus uh, in home renovations these days, and that's the kitchen and all kinds of stuff that they're doing from built-in coffee bars to special pet areas. That's near to my heart. But first, <laughs> Mitch Berliner. The concise and, <laughs> and brief Mitch Berliner has got all kinds of stuff going on, particularly for July 4th. Yes, Mitch? Good morning, everybody. And uh, indeed, lots of people want to know. We are open, of course, uh, today, but we are also open July 4th. We are your July 4th headquarters. Red, white, and blue. We've got vanilla ice cream, and you can put on red raspberries and blueberries, and there you have it, a patriotic uh, easy to do dessert. We have the first apricots and peaches of the season, first blackberries. You can come and get every kind of grilling need you have, all kinds of meat, poultry, fantastic sausages from meat crafters. We've got local beer, distilleries. So we've got everything that you need for your July 4th headquarters. We also have live music every week. 
Hey, so Mitch, please. can I ask you a question? Do you still advise people, like especially for the meats and everything, like for your July 4th needs, to order that in advance? Or is, are people coming with enough product that they can just pick it up there? Well, that's a excellent question. It's the, the only reality, kind yes. Difficult to get things. So if you want to uh, you know, get that in advance, you can just go to centralfarmmarkets.com, look at all of our vendors, choose what you want, give them a call. All okay. right, man. Great. Tell, well, Mitchell, good. tell everybody where they can find both markets. Thank you. Uh, thank you, David. I think you look pretty good yourself. <laughs> um, anyway, you can go to Central Farm Markets, that's plural.com, find all our locations. We have two that are opened on Sunday year round. That's the Nova Central Farm Market at the parking lot of the Church of the Holy Comforter in Vienna. And then we also have the Bethesda Central Farm Market or flagship market been here for 16 years in downtown Bethesda on the elementary school parking lot, right downtown Bethesda on Arlington. And then we have our Pike Central Farm Market that's in Pike and Rose, open every Saturday, 9 to 1.30 on the REI parking lot. Excellent. Thanks so much, Mitch. All right, let's get into some tiki time. All right, so Jeremy Ross is beverage director at a very cool restaurant out in Reston called Tiki Thai. And he's also wearing maybe one of the coolest shirts I've ever seen. I wish you guys could see him. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Uh, before we talk about the restaurant, give us a little background on you. Uh, thank you. So it was a weird little transition to hospitality. I first started in the Navy and Intel. Um, but throughout that time, I just always enjoyed food and beverage. For my Wait friends. a minute, are you the guy watching us 24 hours a day? <laughs> what happened uh, yeah. <laughs> Where are we going? I was with, I was I was with Inside Yes for four years, so uh, I did a lot. So is that your drone overhead right now? I won't discuss. Don't ask until. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but then you know, always loved hospitality, so I got into restaurant, started waiting tables, fell in love with it, and realized I could make a career out of it. How'd you get into the beverage component of it? Because there's so many, there's so many things you can do in the. Um, in the industry, you know, like back of the house, front of the house, why beverages? As a server, that's kind of like your entry level. Um, I was presented with the manager who said, hey, if you want to grow within hospitality, do you want to become a bartender or do you want to become a manager? Like that's your two routes of advancement. I picked management, um, but it just didn't work out. He was like, no, nah, I think you're better at making drinks because <laughs> people love your presence. And that's how you connect better with guests. I said, okay, I'll give it a try. Even though I was like, no, I want to be a manager. I want to be a GM. I want to be like you. He was like, uh, nah, you should try bartending. Did it. Guests love me, fell in love with it, and found my lane from there where I was able to grow into leadership and everything while using beverage as my uh, platform to grow. From. That's amazing. So how did you wind it? So tell us about Tiki Thai and sort of the restaurant that it is and where it is and, and, and what's happening there food-wise and how your beverages complement that. So cool thing about Tiki Thai, um, i partnered with uh, my guys, Pat and Singh. They're both Thai, obviously, I'm American. And so we both have a background in hospitality. We wanted to create a restaurant that we both love and both have passions for. I love just tiki cultures, any and everything about the bar. And they're amazing uh, Thai chefs. So we came together and created this restaurant where it's like these two passions that kind of work synonymously together. So if you look at a lot of just tiki bars, you would always see like a Chinese cuisine as like the bar food with it. And it's like, okay, we can take that and just amplify it with, you know, next level Thai food while still having some, you know, 
authentic, creative, elaborate tiki drinks to go with it. And it comes becomes this um, amazing experience with this amazing Thai food and cool tiki drinks all in one restaurant. Well, I think you have a good point when you say cool tiki drinks because really good Thai food, really authentic Thai food can be quite spicy. And the yes. um, juiciness of a tiki drink can sort of alleviate the pain of some of that heat. And yes, because it's almost like a perfect food pairing that works with, you know, the spicy, acidic, just bold flavors of the food where the drinks kind of just tames that down and just becomes a cool ride uh, with food. So for people who are unfamiliar with tiki drinks, can you walk us through a little bit like what's on your menu and what people can expect from tiki? And so I would say the easiest explanation when it comes to a tiki drink is something that's um, tropical, floral, um, and I would say it's easy drinking. So there'll definitely be a lot of booze, but when you have flavors like passion fruit, pineapple, um, even hibiscus, these cool flavors just makes the drink easier to enjoy. And are, is it always rum? I mean, I think people think when they think tiki, they think there's only a single liquor used, but there's not, right? You use a variety yeah. of liquors. When you actually start digging into the actual like written recipes of the classics, you see te uh, tequila, gin, um, not much vodka, but you don't see whiskey and rum, but just rum kind of just continue because of its connection with Caribbean drinking culture. So the Caribbean, which always produces rum, kind of just took tiki culture and ran with it. But you will still see, you know, amazing tequila-based cocktails, rye whiskey-based cocktails. And, you know, we try to bring in, you know, American bourbon, all these type of things to amplify the drinking experience of tiki. Can I take you guys to the menu? Because there's some stuff on the menu that I never heard of. Um, uh, you're looking at me right now? Amazing. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, but heaven beef uh, on the poo-poo platter. I what is heaven beef? So that is our variation of uh, beef jerky. Um, so it's flanked steak, thinly sliced, a crazy marinade. You're talking coriander, palm sugar, Thai chili, garlic. Then we actually just uh, sun dry it, almost dehydrate it, but not all the way. Then we, uh, per order, give it a quick roast. So then it still comes out warm, a nice little bite to it. So it's just like this super flavorful, warm beef jerky. And it's served with the Thai sriracha. It's, it's sick. And do you ever have a problem with people pronouncing Phuket? That's the real question. It's more so fun. We, we want to see them just, you know, try. <laughs> and say what you want to say. Like, come on, just say it. You can't say it on the radio. That's the problem. <laughs> so, I do have a question about, so with tiki culture comes tiki glassware. So did Absolutely. you have a lot of fun mining places to find sort of these vessels to carry the drinks that you're doing? That was another fun project. We're talking sourcing everywhere. Right now, I'm waiting on two cases of mugs from London. This one guy I found off Etsy who's making like sick, cool mugs. I'm reaching out to everyone. Also, some people were willing to, you know, create custom mugs just for us. Um, so that's another part of it because now I'm making all these different connections with, you know, these one-off mug makers, you know, Tiki Rob, Monk Tiki, famous one, Tiki Farm in California. But all these guys I'm working with and you know, they're bringing us some cool mugs that we have at the restaurant. So that also completes the experience because it's now like, I'm drinking this amazing drink, but also looks cool. So right. it's photo worthy seeing all these pictures on Instagram. And then also you got those people that will simply buy it because of how cool it looks. And it's like, right. do you understand what's in there? Like, yeah, like, cause yeah, you see it, it around the bar and you're like, what's in that? Yeah. I want that. Um, okay. I want so before we take a break, I know um, 
Mai Tai Day is coming. Let's just, before we'll take a break. Why don't we take a break now? When we come back, let's get into Mai Tai Day and like what's in a Mai Tai and what you're doing to celebrate, sure. okay? Um, Absolutely. David and Nikki Nellis, Beauty and the Beast. It's Tiki time with Tiki Tai. We'll be back in just a sec. Hey, everybody, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're still talking with Jeremy Ross, who's the beverage director and GM at Tiki Tai in Reston. And uh, Nick, before the break, said we wanted to talk about Mai Tais. I have a closet full of Mai Tais. So is that what we're going to be talking about? No. Womp womp. Bump a dump bump bump. That's better than trying to pronounce Phuket. Okay. <laughs> what is in a Mai Tai? Classic. And what's so the your Chittervik Mai Tai that predates to 1944 um, is going to be based with an aged Caribbean rum, preferably something from either Appleton Estate or J. Ware Nephew. Um, then you're going to have an orange liqueur. It needs to be high in booze. So no weak triple sec. You want like a boozy 40%, 80 proof Cointreau um, or Jack, which is an almond uh, syrup mm. and citrus. So you have your tartness from the lime juice, then you have your sweetness from the Orjat and Cointreau, and then the booze of the rum. That is your classic Mai Tai. But that beautiful drink has gone through many variations over time. Um, so you, at 90, started to see orange juice and grenadine and Tom Cruise phase of cocktails kind of butchered the history of Mai Tais. But we like to stay true to the history Tom of Cruise that original. A number of things, poor Tom Cruise. I want to throw in something. Do you, and I get the Mai Tai. There's an argument about who invented the Mai Tai, but Victor, I think his name was Bergeron, who is the real trader Vic, uh, supposedly the guy that did it. And my old man used to hang around with him. Believe that. Oh, in Hawaii. My father, you know, traveled the world, and uh, he, you know, he called him. He called him Victor, and that's who Victor was. I never knew who Victor was until later when he told me it was Trader Vic, and we used to go to the when it when it was a decent <laughs> Trader Vic. He was eight. At the Carlton. Yeah. Wow. The Carlton. It was at the Hilton, I guess, downtown on 16th Street. Anyways. Uh, That's but so what are you guys doing to celebrate uh, Mai Tai Day? When is it? It's Oh, it's, tomorrow, it's today. Yeah, so uh, okay. the Mai Tai Day is June 30th. Um, but at the restaurant, we're going to celebrate Mai Tai Week. So starting on the 27th all the way to July 4th. Um, we have a special menu of pretty much the history of Mai Tai. So it starts with the 1944 recipe. Then there's the 1952 from Don Beachcomber. Then you'll see a 90s variation and then two new classics that we kind of got inspired by and created. So it's a list of Mai Tais and so the guests will get to pick from, you know, which variation they feel is best um, as we celebrate Mai Tais the entire week. So is your wall lined with beds for the patrons who can't get up and get, you know, get home? When I designed it, I made them so comfortable that you can sleep in it, just oh, in case. Man. That's so good. <laughs> All right. Well, Jeremy Ross of Tiki Tai, tell everybody where they can find you um, online and on social. All right. So our website, TikiTaiWrestling.com. Our social will be Tiki Tai Wrestling as well. And we're located in Reston, Virginia. The uh, land is uh, Reston Town Center West, um, right off of Sunset Hill Road. Worth the Excellent. drive. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. All right, so our next guest is a name you're going to know. It's Cara Nicoletti, uh, along with being a fourth-generation butcher, which is something in and of itself. She's the winner of the Food Network's Chopped. She's television host of Vice's Munchies, The Hangover Show, and Open Fire. And she wrote a literary cookbook called Voracious. And she is leading the way on veggie-forward sausages and other products 
that are sort of a combo of meat, but less meat and more more of the kind of the, the veggie side that we've been hearing about uh, the last couple of years. Carl, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Where That's are so- you now in the world? Where I'm in Brooklyn. Um, good, good place to be. It's all right. I've been here for 17 years now. <laughs> So, I mean, you're doing so much in the food world. It feels like you have your fingers in a lot of pots. So can you give us like a little bit of your resume? I mean, David alluded to it, but you're, you're doing a lot of things. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I was really raised in the food industry because uh, I, my family is butchers. That's our family trade. It goes back, I'm the fourth generation of it. So I was really raised in the meat industry and around food. Um, started working in restaurants about 17 years ago when I moved to New York to pay my way through school and kind of like immediately gravitated towards meat, um, was like very disillusioned with the amount of waste I was seeing, particularly in the meat preparation, um, because I'd been raised to not waste anything on an animal. So about 12 years ago, kind of recommitted myself to butchery, um, wanted to, to teach people, customers, how to eat meat a little bit more sustainably and realized that the best way to do that was to just eat a little bit less of it. Um, So I started sneaking vegetables into the sausages that I was making and it took off like crazy. And I launched Seymour Meats and Veggies last February, right before the entire world exploded, February of 2020. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. But what is it it about, what were you seeing in the industry as far as waste? Was it because people like, you know, there's a lot of, the trend, the restaurant trend out there, aside from farm to table, is mm-hmm. also like whole animal. Which totally. You and, I, which you and yeah. I both know is nearly impossible for a restaurant <laughs> to actually really, execute. Yeah, it's really, it's it's nearly impossible for a restaurant to do that well. Um, and I would say 12 years ago, 11, when I, when I was focused on this was really when chefs started to be focused on it too. Uh-huh. Um, so when I was working in restaurants 17 years ago, uh, you know, we'd get a box of hanger steaks and hundreds of hanger steaks. And it's like, there's only one hanger steak per cow. So what, yeah, like, it's all going. Um, so I, I was thinking really critically about that. I was watching, you know, things get thrown in the trash that never would have gotten thrown in the trash growing up. And sausages are kind of like the, they're sort of the original sustainable sustainability minded food they um you know it's allow- like a bag you put leftovers into exactly right? it, it allows whole animal butchery to be feasible it extends shelf life through salting it lets you use all the scraps so i gravitated towards sausages right away as kind of like a, a sustainability solution to that problem and how did you come up with what you wanted in the sausages because yeah. I mean, they're also, to be fair, I mean, there's a couple like booms happening. Like sausages are big. Definitely. Right? They're really big. And also, it's so funny, yeah. Right? Like, so, and yeah. so like this huge like boom in that. And then also, there's a lot of, I mean, we get it all the time here. You know, there's a lot of plant based discussion. Um, Absolutely. A lot of plant based products, a lot of people, you know, trying to lessen the meat on the plate from a, you know, like, people who are like, don't eat any meat to like, no, 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 you could just take a, just lessen it. Just do a little so bit less, yeah. How did you come up with the kind of sausages you wanted to make? Cause they're different. They're not, yeah. I mean, the the beet one, the chick, mm-hmm. like the ones that we have yeah. are 
very interesting. And so can we slip in that we had them last night and they're delicious. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, so I, you know, when I, when I was starting to think about, I was working at a butcher shop, we were working with these like beautiful pasture raised grass fed, all these good thing animals working very closely with the farmers. And I had customers coming back six, seven days a week. We couldn't keep up. The guys I was working for were like, let's start getting box commodity to supplement. And I did not want to do that. So I started making veggie burgers and putting them into the case, uh, trying to get those like really hardcore customers to eat like one day a week, eat a veggie burger and they didn't want anything to do with it. Um, so the market I was working at had like a little green market attached to it. And the produce girl would give me her sort of scrap leftovers every week. Originally I was putting them into veggie burgers and then, um, I started sneaking them into sausages instead, which is actually like scientifically a very difficult thing to do. So it took me a long time. Like water is really the enemy of protein extraction, which is meat binding, um, which is what makes a sausage a sausage. So when you add that many fresh vegetables, you're really interrupting that process. So I had, it really took me a decade to understand that science and find ways natural ways to get around it. But it's been really interesting because this blended was not a thing that existed when I started doing these and everyone thought I was kind of crazy, but it's really a thing now. And like the big companies are all starting to dabble in it, but you'll see they're, they're dabbling in adding plant-based proteins to regular proteins because right. the fresh veggies is such a scientifically difficult thing to do. Well, have they come um, to you and, and asked for your secret? Yeah, a few, a few before I even launched Seymour. And I was like, no, I, I want my own, my own thing. But, you know, we look at the plant-based boom right now. It's huge. It is like, it's, especially on the investment side, uh, having a meat money. company is so everywhere. Well, because it not only makes sense for the environment and for the world, but they finally figured out how to make it taste like something other than goop. Well, so I would say when you really dig into those numbers, you see that 98% of plant-based buyers are meat eaters and they're only buying those products like four to five times a year. Um, so what that tells me is that people aren't giving up meat entirely. They're, they're dabbling in eating less of it, but it's never going to go anywhere. And you know, what's really important to people that I think is going to affect the boom of plant-based is the amount of like processed ingredients going into it. Um, well, that's something we talked about with one of our guests yeah. previously, because I was like, there was this whole thing about local and organic and eating whole foods. And while I agree there should be less meat on the plate, mm -hmm. but if you're buying that meat or your chicken from, you know, pasture raised, happy cows, yeah. happy animals, you can put less on the plate, but I don't. I've already eschewed processed foods. Why would I go back to like eating these mechanical? A hundred percent. I don't want, yeah, I don't, I mean, and also, you know, we don't know yet. I mean, we know because we've been eating animals for thousands of years that there's actually huge potential for regenerating soil and actually sequestering carbon by, by eating and grazing animals. Um, mm -hmm. We don't know what the actual benefit is going to be of because what you're doing is you're really monocropping, which is how we got ourselves into this problem with meat. Big egg, right, exactly. Yeah, so you're, we're still growing corn and soy and all of these things in huge amounts if we were to replace meat entirely with these plant-based items. And that's, I mean, we need diversity in the food chain across the board. One thing is never gonna be the solution. Um, so I think that Seymour is really a great sort of middle ground of like 
just being able to eat meat and fresh vegetables. There is nothing weird in there. And it's a full, it's a, it's a complete meal. Well, let's talk about what, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I just want to say, you know, because I sort of on the show, as you can tell from the name of the show, I sort of represent the meatball factor. I mean, my whole thing, I, I mean, I have a social consciousness when it comes to, you know, the whole meat issue, but it's also had to do with taste and texture. Mm-hmm. And so that's what was so good about your sausage. Uh, you know, probably uh, Chef Spike Mendelson, who started something called Plant Burger. Those, yep. It tastes like a burger. Yeah, it's great. absolutely. Yeah, so, there's a lot more. There's a lot more options now. It's yeah. Pretty- and that I think was part of it. It just took the industries like it's like inventing the automobile. It took it a while yeah. to be, you know, viable. But yeah. will you branch out into other because you have sausages now? Absolutely. Yeah. So are you going to like have a whole I mean, will there eventually be like a fake T-bone? So I'm never going to go fully plant-based. Seymour will always be a blended product because Mm. I, that's sort of our value prop. You don't have to give up meat entirely to enjoy it responsibly. So there'll never be a fake T-bone, but we are going to extend, I hope to extend into basically every category of the meat aisle. Um, Mm. With these blended products, we started with sausage because it's essentially scientifically the hardest thing to do. Um, And so from here, it's going to be very easy for us to pivot into like, nuggets and patties and all kinds of things. Okay, so can we talk about just quickly, we have two minutes left, just what your products are. So yeah. So these are sausages that are made with humanely raised meats. We're using pork and chicken that are all Global Animal Partnership certified humane, uh, and then up to 35% fresh vegetables, up to 54% less meat when we're talking about other things like cheese. Um, so we've got a Bubby's chicken soup, which is based on a matzo ball soup. Um, we've got chicken parm, which is exactly what it sounds like. Roasted tomatoes, breadcrumbs, good cheese. Um, we've got a La Dolce Vita, which is our take on a sweet Italian sausage. It's got fresh beets, fennel, garlic, um, broccoli melt, which is sort of like a Philly roast pork sandwich. Yeah. Um, so pork, yeah. broccolini, pepperoncinis, jack cheese. That one is my favorite. Um, and then we have a loaded baked potato, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's got pork, shredded potatoes, bacon bits, cheddar chives. It's so good on a breakfast sandwich. Um, and yeah, yeah, we're available in DC in, in the Foxtrot, two of the Foxtrot trot markets, but um, we're also available. We ship nationwide on our website. Are you in Whole Foods as well here in the DC area? We're not yet, but if you put up a stink, everybody go in there and tell yeah. them you want us. Yeah. <laughs> we will be. We're, we're in Foxtrot. We are Foxtrot fans. Oh, it's awesome. A, it's That's a very great. cool. Um, it is cool. Site. It's, it's super cool. It's, it's awesome. Um, well, listen, we really thank you for joining us today. Tell everybody where they can find you. You can find us online at eat, E-A-T, Seymour, S-E-E-M-O-R-E.com. Um, same thing on Instagram and we ship nationwide so you can get us right. everywhere. Thanks for your time today. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We have an old friend of the show on with us with some new news. Uh, Bart Yablonski, who is the owner of Dawson's Market in Rockville, which is really I call it, I would say it's almost the heartbeat of the new Rockville Center there with great food and drinks and programs and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Bart, welcome to the show. And you have some recent news to discuss. You purchased another market. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. It's great to be back. And yeah, just to add, add to the, uh, Stress. stress in my life, I decided <laughs> to do it again with another store. Well, tell us, come on. Yeah. So, I mean, the big news is that we acquired Glenn's Garden Market in DuPont Circle. Um, 
It's a great store. Uh, Danielle Vogel is the owner. Um, she's been in business um, almost about the same amount of time as Dawson's. Opened in uh, 2013 mm-hmm. um, versus us. We opened in 2012. But uh, we've known each other for a long time. We actually met prior to both of our stores um, at some food networking opportunities. And we've both been on panels at discussions about natural food industry. So we've kind of had a, a long relationship over the years. And um, she was looking to get back into politics and back into climate change action and just, you know, was looking for a way to continue the legacy of what she created um, and keep a place for her employees and keep a place for customers to shop with her good, clean product. And we started talking and one thing led to another and we took it over. So uh, it's been just two weeks now on the 14th is when we officially took over ownership there. And we're still, you know, working through some changes, but um, things are going great and we're excited about it. Uh, so, so you guys align. So how do you how do you take your Dawson sensibilities, which is you know sort of suburban based, and bring it into DC? So you know where we're aligned, I think is um, I mean there's definitely differences in the customers and that sort of thing, and the, the, just the traffic in the area, but the philosophies are very the same, very similar. So we both are very focused on supporting local business. Um, so we. Um, you know, when she started out, she was super, super local, more so than us. Uh, she was just within the watershed. Um, but she, you know, really pretty quickly realized she needed to be able to sell coffee and, and bananas in a grocery store. So she expanded that out. Avocados. Um, Hello. Yeah. You have to sell avocados. Right, right. Um, but so she but she's, I think, launched maybe 100 um, independent, you know, local artisans in the D.C. market. Dawson sells. We've launched a lot as well. I don't know if it's 100, but we've certainly launched a lot also. But we share probably 90% of the vendors, uh, the local vendors we both have. Um, So one of the advantages, you know, for both stores is that we're picking up, you know, a handful of new vendors at each location that that, that, that were not there before. Um, And and then her other commitment is to the environment. Mm-hmm. So very much the same as, as Dawson's. Um, so, you know, as far as the, the, the construction of the, of the space um, and then the commitment to recycling and composting, um, the commitment to the local community, very similar missions. Um, so that was one of the reasons that really made a really good opportunity for us um, because we really were walking into, you know, a very similar store to what we already had, um, you know, and now we are able to, to add our touch to it and, and to expand on it. Well, so, you know, Dawson's has a thriving sort of catering and, and food business, you know, like to go food and other than just groceries. Are you still going to add that to Glenn's Garden Market? I mean, I know they did have that, but are you going to maintain that? Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a really big part of, of, of Glenn's. Um, so we're absolutely going to continue that. You know, it took a hit during COVID, uh, as we all did. So um, some of that was shut down uh, during COVID. So the bar, for example... Uh, has been shut down. We are reopening the bar um, July 1st. Um, so we're still serving, um, you know, beer uh, on site, but not drafts. Uh, so that'll start on July 1st. Um, but they have a really strong prepared foods department there before us. And we're going to continue that and, um, you know, expand to it. But also, like I said, you know, we're learning things uh, in DC uh, that we're going to implement in, in Rockville. Well, so can we talk about walking around the store with beer? I mean, that's not a typical grocery store no it's not typical to have a cafe in a grocery store either it's i mean there's some extra benefits there right absolutely i mean and and that's been a big unique piece of dawson's rockville for from the beginning because we're the only grocery store in montgomery county that serves beer and wine 
uh, and one of the very few uh, that sell beer and wine. So that's been a big part of us. And we do the happy hours. And you, like you said, you can grab a glass of wine while you shop. And we do a lot of wine and beer focused events in Rockville. Um, so that's just, you know, all going to transfer into D.C. And they've been doing, you know, like, as I, as I said, prior to COVID, they were doing beer service and bar service. Um, we're going to continue and, and expand on that, um, try to do some more events around it as well. And so we're excited. Are- and there's a great patio in DuPont. Um, okay. So really great outdoor area. We do um, grilling on Friday nights um, and we do other events, you know, from uh, throughout the week. And we'll be adding more stuff as we begin, you know, getting out of COVID. So now that we are getting out of COVID and I mean, you know, Glen's Garden Market was a really cherished market to many people in the DC area. Um, and, you know, Dawson's has its own cherished, you know, followers out in Rockville. So like, you know, people in DC may not be as familiar with uh, sort of your mission and how you and Danielle's sort of thought process align. Um, what are some of the things that you think people should really know um, that you will now be offering or will continue to offer that, you know, will sort of allay any fears. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's really important. Anytime there's, you know, a new, new change, <clears throat> new ownership, a new manager, there's always this thought that things are changing and, you know, and, and generally changing, not for the positive. Um, we're absolutely changing for the positive. Um, you know, we're, we're not changing that much though. Um, so I think that's the most important thing to, for people to know because we were already so aligned and so consistent I mean, most of our vendors, I've talked about local products, but just general vendors um, for we we already had all the same vendors. So um, so we're not making any major changes there. We're going to continue with what's worked there um, and what we're going to add to it. You know, the, the product selection is going to increase. Um, I feel like that store had, you know, uh, maybe two two skews of salsa and we're going to change it to four. Um, so we're going to keep the two that, that were there that people love and we're going to add two more that we know people really like. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be adding to the store. We're not going to be deleting things. Um, and we're going to continue with uh, all the, the, the services and everything that we're provided there. So the, the brunch that they do on Sundays and the pizzas that um, they do in the evenings, you know, all that stuff that you've seen in the past, that's all going to continue. And some of it has been gone because of COVID, but it's all coming back. And you're not going to change the name, right? No, they did change. The name. Well, it's Dawson's Market. Yeah, so it, 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 it is changing to Dawson's Market. And that's in the process right now. We have a temporary sign up. Um, you'll see a permanent sign as soon as they finish making it, which takes time. Huh. Um, so can we talk about one of the things you do at Dawson's, which I think you know, really lends itself to you bringing all these local products to the tables. You know, if somebody comes to you and says, hey, I make this like peanut brittle, blah, blah, blah. You're like, sure, let come in, let people try it, sample it. Will you be... Will you try doing a little bit of that in D.C.? Is it as easy to do that in D.C. or is it harder? What do you think? Um, no, I think it's actually I think as far as the licensing goes, I think D.C. does not have the same cottage industry law that uh, that Maryland has that kind of mm-hmm. prevents people from selling into store each retail stores as easily. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, we're going to continue that program. And, and, you know, some some of our vendors, as I mentioned, you know, both stores don't have everybody and they're so excited that now they can you know, expand into DC or they can expand into Rockville because of the relationship. So we're going to continue that. I mean, that's always been a big part of who we are um, in both stores. And so we're going to absolutely continue that. Um, and, and, and Danielle is going to stick around and help us with that. She's got a really strong focus for, uh, for women owned businesses. Um, that's kind of where she kind of put her touch into the whole thing. So 
um, we, we're going to continue to work with her, um, you know, and, and as she develops people and, you know, rec makes recommendations on, on vendors that she's fine, we're, we have that relationship. And we'll also, you know, certainly take people that just come in, you know, and contact us on the website or give us a call uh, or people that we find on our own by, you know, connections with you and farmers markets and things like that. Well, let me ask you a question about, well, let me jump in about the name change because <clears throat> that's one of the hardest things. Uh, there's going to be a, uh, a, a segment of your, your customer population down there that isn't going to be, you know, it's like when Datsun became Nissan, there was a whole gradual, you know, kind of uh, morphing to Nissan. Is Danielle working with you to sort of, I don't know, be in touch with longtime customers to make sure they understand that the name is Dawson's, but the core is still Glenn's. Yeah. I mean, and that's, yeah, that's a very good question and certainly definitely a concern. Um, you know, we, she is. I mean, she's totally involved still. She's, you know, I can and call her at any time and she's very responsive. So um, and she wants us to be successful. I mean, the whole point of this was really to keep the store going and sure. to keep it in a place for her employees to have a to have a job. So it's in her best interest to keep it going. And I, and I know she's just got a genuine heart and she's going to do that no matter what. Um, but, you know, there's a transition in time. So we we're, we are working with the Glenn's Facebook page. We are working with the Glenn's website. So we're trying to basically post things on both and, you know, have Dawson's on Dawson's on the Glens and Glens on the Dawson's and trying to kind of for at least for the next 90 days or maybe even six months, try to have those things running concurrently so that people start to to see the change, but also see that it's not really more than just a name change. Right. Right. And let's talk about since we have a couple minutes left. Let's talk about all the because you are an activated market. You do so many promotions at the Dawson's in Rockville. Uh, what do you have coming up there? What's going to be happening at the Dawson's DC, especially with July 4th and summer and everything happening? Sure. So, um, so we'll definitely start to, um, you know, do some of the events that we do in Rockville. We'll start doing those in DC. The only challenge we'll have DC location. If you haven't been to DuPont circle, it's definitely much smaller. It's about a third of the size of the Rockville store. Sure. So probably one of our most popular and successful events is Meet the Locals, which mm -hmm. is in Rockville. It's on the second Tuesday of every month from five to seven. We just started it back up. Um, it had been, you know, not in existence for COVID. We did some virtual ver versions of it, but um, we had our first one in June. Um, and so that'll continue uh, in July going forward. So that's a big thing. Um, Jazz Brunch is also a popular item that we do or an event that we do in Rockville. That has not come back yet, but will be coming back, um, maybe not July, but probably August or September. And so that's already kind of happening at DuPont. DuPont does a nice brunch on Sundays, but there's no there's not a music component to it. So we might look into doing uh, adding some jazz to that to be consistent with what we're doing in Rockville. Um, and then probably the biggest event coming up is July 4th, as you mentioned. So we're going to do a large event in DuPont Circle uh, at the new store for July 4th, and it's going to be a house, a, a store warming party. So not a house warming, but a store warming. And we're going to do, we're going to put burgers on the grill and we're going to have draft beer. We'll run some special pricing and uh, really just encourage, you know, the neighbors to, to come in and, and we want to meet everybody and hang out and answer questions and, um, and just, you know, have a great time to celebrate July 4th, which is going to be, you know, there was really not very much celebration last year. So we're excited to be able to be all together and outside um, you know, and have a good, a good time with everybody and, and meet the neighborhood. Uh, great. Bart, thank you so much for joining us today. We're so excited for you. You've been a long friend of the show and the listener you wanted.com and David and I personally. So um, this is incredible for you. We're 
we applaud your efforts and we wish you ever success. Um, tell everybody, please, where they can find Dawson's DC and Dawson's Rockville. Sure. And thank you so much. It's been great working with you guys as well and, and seeing you guys out. Especially too. me, um, right, Bart? <laughs> so Dawson'sMarket.com. So you can go there to see everything. Um, as I said, the Glens Market site's still up. But just go to Dawson'sMarket.com. We're also on Facebook at Dawson's Market. We're on Instagram at Dawson's Market. All the information is there about both locations. So look forward to seeing everybody in the stores. All right, great. Thanks so much, Bart. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Booty and the Beast. Sounds like you have a new market down in D.C. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Our next guests are going to be discussing a subject. I was going to say a subject that's near and dear to Nikki's heart, but it's probably the subject near and dear to Nikki's heart. And that is uh, the latest and greatest in kitchen renovations and other home renovations from a company called Grace Thomas Designs. It's a woman-owned design build firm uh, um, owned by Michelle Troxell. And uh, she's on the show today with Joey Olson who is one of the Olsen triplets, right, Joey? And I actually know them, yeah. Do you? <laughs> yeah, my cousin was their studio teacher for- uh, well, Then let's years. talk about something else. That's great. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's her chief kitchen designer. Guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, Thank you very much. Michelle, so I'm, what? I'm just, you're just gonna uh, let me right. take over, right? Like, this no, is I'm not, but go ahead. So, okay. Gonna... So, I mean, we're coming out of COVID. Everybody has been stuck in their house and recognizing all the problems with their kitchens and their kitchen space. And there's been a real change in how people wanna utilize that space. I mean, it's beyond entertaining at this point. So what have you guys seen as far as trends in kitchen design that you're like, this is what we're bringing for the kitchens of the future? Can we handle yeah, that one? I'm gonna um, the pro I've go. noticed that everyone before was so interested in resale value and you know and people are like you know just doing things to make it look pretty and you know stuff but now people are like hey I'm right-handed I'm left-handed I want you know to be able to work in this kitchen um my number one thing that we do is coffee stations like adding that because you know having a morning area the microwave is over there everything's ready for you um it's also having different areas, you know, made specially for you. What we do is we listen, we ask a lot of questions, we basically become family for a little while, and that's why what we do. Um, you know, we also, you know, there's dogs everywhere, and we love putting things for dogs in there. You know, like either You're talking to the right people. <laughs> oh, really? Okay, cool. Dogs. We got dogs up the hoo-ha around here. Well, uh, Michelle has rescued like five dogs <laughs> and uh, I have a giant lab and I have two French bulldogs and, you know, they all eat at different times. And, you know, I have places where a drawer pulls out, but one eats it all. So I have to like slam it back for the other one. So it's all personalization, but, you know, personalization is just listening to your client and, you know, doing what they need, uh, giving suggestions, but we don't get angry when someone's like, I hate that. Some designers you go to, they're like, oh, you have to have this. Well, no, you don't. I need to know how you cook. I don't, you know, I'm not right. psychic. Once we ask so many questions. Um, once we've contracted with the client, it's a process that um, Joey starts out first and with the design. And then we bring in another professional on our team to do all of the details for every drawer, the way they want to put their dishes away from the dishwasher to how they want to entertain, how they want snacks. Um, people, especially after the pandemic, want more mini fridges. Um, 
Joey. It's has, it's, it's, I'm, it's, I'm watching. My wife is quivering as you're talking. Mind bars. Yeah. Explain our situation. Okay, we live in a house built in the 1800s. The kitchen may have been. I'm going to say renovated like in 1940. That's 50, it. 50. And I am like a serious entertaining cook and I cook out of that kitchen. Um, but it's a miracle. It is a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> um, so, well, Michelle, let's kind of start from the beginning. Let's walk people through the process when they come to you and they say, help. How do you, how do you walk people through it? Yeah, well, first of all, we um, do Zoom calls now and with our clients, and we want to make sure that they're a good fit as a client of ours, and we're a good fit for them. And that honestly often starts out with the most uncomfortable question of budget, mm -hmm. because kitchens and the cabinetry that we use is such high quality, and we have different lines um, for less expensive, but we know in this area what clients want, and we usually have to use our custom line. And from there, um, when we find out that we are a good fit, we go to contract and um, pretty much within the next 10 days, Joey is meeting with that client because it is a long process. And then by the time we go to presentation day, everything is pretty much ready to go and they're ready to pay for their kitchen and we order it. But presentation day, we might show them some of the pretty, the backsplashes we've chosen, the, the handles that we've um, chosen for all the cabinetry. But basically by the time that day comes, there, there aren't many questions except maybe some questions for our GC, the process of just even having a dumpster and HOAs and um, the things that we can and can't do in their neighborhoods. We definitely hold your hand because uh, okay. the only thing you have to pick is uh, out of, from us is appliances because those are so personal. And then we ask you to come with us and pick your slab because that, those are like works of art. Right. You know, and you need to see that in person. But everything else we bring to the client, especially with COVID, it's great. You do so you're saying you're saying my eight dollar budget is not going to cut it is what you <laughs> No, I mean, I can definitely suggest where you could go. <laughs> I can just imagine. What about the structural component? Because, I mean, knocking down walls, things of that nature. Um, I mean, that. That like strikes fear into my heart immediately. How do you handhold people through that component? Because that seems like the most stressful part. Really, me. really great question. So when we go to the client's house, um, RGC, because they're going to be ripping out their credit. Like, can we for people who aren't? General contract. Sorry. <laughs> By the time we bring our general contractor on site, he knows that we're going to be tearing apart this kitchen. And he starts, we even have on Instagram stories, like, you know, him just sawing in to see what he can and can't move. Mm. So that is definitely a general contractor question. And we move things all of the time. And sometimes we just have to be creative when we're opening walls. Like, you know, if that stud has to stay, then we have to figure out a pretty way to wrap it, trim it. Or that magical pipe you never seen is just right. that somebody some uh terrible plumber did and then hit it you know but you know years. when when nikki first met me that's what she said that stud has to stay yeah that's done yeah often it's surprising with builders that the way they do things there's often nothing in the horrible design that they do where 
um, you, they don't have cabinets that go to the ceiling. The soffits they put in all those new homes 20 years ago were all almost 90% empty, empty because they don't want to pay for the more expensive cabinets, mm -hmm. but they'll still charge you for those. Yeah, what are you guys of... seeing? I mean, I have metal cabinets, okay? So, like, seriously? You have metal no, cabinets? I mean, we have a retro cabinet? kitchen. We have the original sink <laughs> from the farmhouse, you know, the double it's sink. Kitchen. It is not retro. It is old. Well, it's it's an original ceramic sink. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I think you guys have basically just hired us. <laughs> <laughs> this is what a Zoom call we do with clients. They're like, well, we're, we're ready, but just tell us how much this is going to cost. And yeah, the, the thing is, when now. you have when you have two people who want two different things, I, I, I usually have to go with the woman on that one. You know, and, and well, I think it's only fair to go with the person who does the cooking, who utilizes the kitchen, right? Yeah. Or whatever space you're building out, um, I would assume. You know, I use it more than anybody else in the house. Do you know what I mean? Not right. that, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because I, just because I cook and I entertain and it's sort of the, I wish it was a more central location of the house, but it just, because it's an old house, it, it is the way it is. Um, let's talk a little bit because we only have a little bit of time. How do you guys work with people's aesthetic? How do you help guide them to the look that they desire when you probably have your own aesthetic. So how, and I assume people hire you because of it, but sometimes people can't get out of their own way. How do you, how do you help with that? Right. We just did a really um, um, more modern farmhouse than we usually do, but you know, that's what she wanted. Um, again, when we ask a lot of questions, we learn, we also ask, you know, for them to go online and see what they like. So we can actually, you know, what kitchens they're going for. Mm -hmm. So we can melt the two together. Um, and then also we suggest, and that's the word of suggest, suggest. We not tell. tell people what they want. No. Um, because then they feel like if we give them two choices and they pick the one, then they feel like they're actually involved in the process, not, mm -hmm. you know, just getting some paying money and then see you in eight weeks or, you know. Yeah. And we're very respectful. There are firms that tell you what to do. And um, I find that we pride ourselves on listening and we constantly will show them they'll show us for example we were tile shopping the other day and they'll show us a tile that they really love but we know that it doesn't go with it's, anything in their house yes <laughs> and so then when we bring to presentation it's our job to elevate their ideas on house and pinterest and blow them away because we are a design firm and i'm so excited we have this presentation on wednesday they picked a, a totally opposite tile, but I think they're going to be so thrilled. And we've done a lot of work in their home already. So hopefully we nailed it. And if we don't nail it, we will, but we usually do because we do pride ourselves on listening. And we always say, it's not what we want, it's what you want. Well, I love that. And on that note, the show is over. So <laughs> we tell everybody where they can find you online and on Instagram. Um, Instagram is at Grace Thomas Designs. And gracethomasdesigns.com is our website. Excellent. Thank you both so much. And we want to thank all of you for tuning in to Foodie and the Beast today. Um, we had an amazing show. You can find everything online at the list or you want it.com. Of course, you want to follow me at NYCCINELLIS on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter because the DC food and wine scene is starting to thrive again. But you still need to go out there and support it. Don't forget, staffing shortages are not a myth, they are real. 
take a deep breath when you go out and just enjoy and know that the server is there to make sure you have a good time, but they're doing the best they can. On that note, we wish everybody a very happy 4th of July. We're gonna take a break, but we'll be back the following week. Have a delicious week. <laughs>